Hello, this is Dr. David Farmer, once again trying to give voice to spirituality justice today. I'd like to thank Anchor for its incredible attentiveness in getting my recordings out. Thank you so much, Anchor. I'm speaking this week on the topic rights, R-I-G-H-T-S, rights, R-I-T-E-S, riots, and racism. Racism was detected in the socio-religious DNA of this nation at its birth. After nearly a hundred years of battling, here's an example. The 19th Amendment to the Constitution was ratified. On August the 18th of this year, women and men who celebrate the full freedom of women can celebrate a hundred years of voting rights. August the 18th, 1920 was the day um, when female citizens of the United States had voting rights. So August the 18th, 2020 will be the day to celebrate a hundred years. Not everyone will celebrate. Not all men, not all women. At first, there were no voting rights for women of color. And in 1920, many Southern men of color could not vote either. There are still politicians and their constituents who want to keep people of color from voting. North Carolina seems to stand out. A little over a year ago, a headline from News One read, North Carolina Republicans admit to suppressing the black vote. It's not even shameful in their eyes, many North Carolinians and many of their politicians. This week we got the news that uh, Steve King, Representative Steve King, who was known for taking pride in his racist comments, lost his re-election bid. Yeah, occasionally a pleasant corrective comes along, but not nearly often enough. Racists want people of color to be voiceless victims. People who are abusable with nowhere to voice their protests or their pain when abused. And racists have been successful more often than most of us polite, liberal, live and let live types want to try to take in. People are concerned this weekend that there will be more violent protests in response to the death of George Floyd. The independent autopsies having confirmed that he died um, at the hands of police people in ways that have been determined as homicide. 
the violent protesters are not accomplishing what the peaceful protesters have set out to accomplish. And in fact, are blurring the image of peaceful protesting of the abuse, the police abuse of black Americans. The First Amendment to the Constitution clearly says that Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. The Cornell Law School explains this a little bit. It doesn't need a lot of explanation, does it? First Amendment guarantees freedoms concerning religion, expression, assembly, and the right to petition. Pretty clear. But violent protests are not provided for. In the cases of recent violent protests, people of violence have swooped in with the peaceful folk and the violent folk hurting others and doing damage to public and private property are for the most part disinterested in what the peaceful protesters are gathered for. Their cause and their presence are just stepping stones. That is, the violent protesters are using the peaceful protesters as stepping stones. Thinking back to June the 2nd, there were peaceful protesters in Lafayette Square outside the White House. Lots of pictures of uh, people that Dowdy John or John Dowd called terrorists. Uh, pictures would indicate otherwise. They were peaceful. Um, they had a few signs. They wore masks even because they were concerned about public health. No sign of violence whatsoever. President Trump was hunkering in his bunkering inside the White House most of the afternoon. And William Barr, director of the Department of Injustice, showed up out in Lafayette Square with some members of his private police force who come to serve with him from Russia and North Korea, apparently. And most folks say he's the one who gave the order for the peaceful protesters to be attacked with tear gas and rubber bullets. He says he didn't do it. He says he wanted more space between the protesters and the White House. Um, 
but he did not actually give an order for the peaceful protesters to be attacked. They're blaming it, both the White House and Barr are blaming it on some unnamed uh, park uh, police person. And then after Lafayette Square was cleared of those peaceful protesters, Bunker Trump came out of the bunker and sauntered across the way from the White House to St. John's Episcopal Church as if he were, were taking an afternoon stroll. He could have taken an afternoon stroll without having caused harm to peaceful protesters. And then that photo op, as some called it, standing in front of St. John's Episcopal Church, which, as far as anybody knows, he attended one time. I knew the rector and the associate rector prior to the current staff. And up until a few months ago, at least, Trump had been there one time. So there he was, standing in front of a church he had visited one time. Senator Collins also mentioned that he had been there only one time. And he's holding a book that he might have read one time. A reporter asked him if it were his Bible, and he said, it's a Bible. <laughs> Obviously, he didn't have a Bible on hand. Um, I suspect it was an Obama Bible that had been left behind by the Obama family when they were residents of the White House. The Bible is not a good luck charm. The Bible is not a piece of armor, nor is the Bible a membership card to prove membership in any of the religious right movements. Trump's antic meant nothing and absolved him of nothing. Samuel Jones, professor of law and associate dean at the John Marshall School of Law, talked about policing and the abuse of people of color from a historical perspective. Said Professor Samuel V. Jones, policing in America has historically had racial implications. The earliest forms of organized law enforcement in the United States can be traced to slave patrols that track down escaped slaves and overseers assigned to guard settler communities from Native Americans. In the centuries since, many law enforcement agencies directly participated in antagonizing communities of color or provided a shield for others who did. I pause for a moment to give another thank you today, and this one to Radio Public, for its support, encouragement, and active interest in circulating my words and concerns. I was delighted to see news story in Vanity Fair about actors who portray television police persons donating money to fight police brutality. Sometimes fiction recognizes, recognizes truth faster than 
the real world does. Sometimes fiction recognizes truth faster than the real world does. I have been pleased to be contacted by Yelp to find out that they are getting more aggressive in terms of doing business specifically with black-owned companies. The same with DoorDash. These are small steps, but they are important steps. The abuse of black persons by all white persons, particularly those who have elected office and those who are in positions of power and authority, namely police persons, has to stop, must stop, whatever it takes. Rights. All citizens of the United States have the same equal rights. Rights, R-I-T-E-S. When we gather in our places of worship, they are for prayer and inspiration. They are not to be used, as Trump attempted to do, to bolster his uh, image in the eyes of his uh, religious right cheerleaders. Riots are not okay. Although we have some understanding about people who are pushed against the wall when yet another person in their community or in their family is killed by a police person. And the police person is ultimately not held accountable. Accountability doesn't bring the person who has died back to life, but holding the police person accountable might mean that this nonsense slows down. One of my former graduate students, an African-American young man, highly accomplished professionally with a master's degree, talks about the lengths that he has to go to when he goes out for a run to be in a place where he is least likely to be stopped by police. He talked about when he was an undergraduate student in North Philly being advised by people at the university to be sure to dress differently than people in the community dressed so the police would not think ever that he was just one of the locals, perhaps out making trouble. He talked about four different kinds of identification he carries in his wallet at all times when he is out, uh, particularly on the road, so that if stopped by a police person or a group of police people, he has some documentation that he is a person who 
is invested in positive connection to the community, that's absurd that he has to go to that length. But he does. The racism that was detected in the socio-religious DNA of this nation at its birth, yeah, it's still there. But the nation cannot move forward in any hopeful, healthful way until all people matter. And that happens when we start to recognize that one group at a time gets focus for mattering. Black lives matter, all of them. And it's not okay for the police to abuse people of color and then come up with some nonsense asinine excuse always about, oh, I thought he or she had a weapon. He or she made a move to come toward us or run toward us. It's always absurd nonsense. And the white folks of whom I am one must stand with the people of color. Energetically, consistently, proudly, and until that happens, there will be no progress. It's very sad to think that Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and his teachings are virtually forgotten except around Martin Luther King Jr. Day. He got it. Those who marched with him got it. How could we, how could we have forgotten? And forgetting pushes us backward as a nation and not forward. I think it is well worth heeding the criticism of President Trump by some constitutional patriots such as former Defense Secretary James Mattis who are very critical of Trump's tactics to divide the nation for his own sense of power and glory and his own pitiful hopes of 
re-election. On the white side, particularly the liberal, intellectual white folks, just talking about it means very little. And it's often, though we really wish it meant more, it's often just a pitiful excuse for doing nothing practical. I'll talk to you next week. And I hope there's an opportunity for me to talk about something positive. In the meantime, thank you for your interest in living out of spirituality informed by justice.